Welcome to East Texas News Roundup for the week ending May the 31st, 2019. East Texas News Roundup is a weekly review of the news in five southeast Texas counties covered by Polk County Publishing Company newspapers, including Tyler, Polk, Trinity, San Jacinto, and Houston counties by the editors of those five newspapers. Polk County Publishing Company manager Kelly Barnes kicks off this week's podcast. Hello everyone, this is Kelly Barnes and I'm recording from the Polk County Enterprise office in Livingston, Texas. And today we're going to be talking about the headlines in Sunday, May 26th and Thursday, May 30th's newspapers. As usual, when I pick up the newspapers and start reviewing everything that's been put in here by our news staff, it is loaded with information and I highly recommend you all subscribe. First thing I notice in the Sunday, May 26th edition is we do have the monthly real estate guide. Realtors in Polk County are listing all of their properties for sale in and around Lake Livingston, so be sure and get a copy of that. It's in the Sunday paper. Um, There's also a headline story of a poll that was taken by Ragnar Research. And it reveals support for the Tribal Gaming Center. And as I read through the article, I could see that it was Congressman Brian Babin who introduced a bill to Congress that would allow Alabama Cushata to continue offering electronic bingo. In previous issues of the Enterprise, it's been noted that our governor, Abbott, is opposed to this happening. But the poll, which is talked about here in Sunday's paper, shows that 65% of East Texans are in support of allowing them to do their thing. And mostly for economic reasons. Lots of people have jobs out there as a result of them being able to have their electronic bingo. So here at the Polk County Enterprise, we stay neutral on a lot of issues, but the owners of this paper are in full support of Alabama Cushata Tribe of Texas and Noscala Gaming. We have celebrated the memory of those who died while serving our country in Memorial Day, and that's talked about in our Sunday issue of the paper. The American Legion Post 312 of Livingston paid tribute to all the veterans of wars by placing over 2,000 flags on the graves of those who served throughout the county. And that's pretty amazing. There's a picture on page one of the paper of a gentleman by the name of Isham Adams, and it tells here that he was a Civil War veteran, and he's in the old city cemetery where there were flags also placed. It was a very beautiful sight. Let's see what else is going on in the paper. Okay, the SBCA has a nice article of that heart worms are no longer a death sentence for dogs and if you love your pets you want to make sure that they have been vaccinated for that because we don't have to worry about our pets when we get them vaccinated for those kind of things. Several businesses in Polk County showed their support honoring the nation's heroes and we appreciate them. Pedigo, Furniture, Chicken Express, El Burrito, Livingston Physical Therapy, Dr. Ralph Yinke, Gabriel Jordan, Ford, First State Bank, and Sonic. Let's see also East Texas Telephone and, of course, the Polk County Enterprise. First National Bank has gift cards. If you're still out there getting ready to buy a gift for a graduate, they are suggesting you could get them a gift card. So that's good. And by the way, in Thursday's issue coming out uh, this week of the Polk County Enterprise, every graduate in Polk County will be pictured. And I happen to have here a list of the valedictorians and salutatorians from every school district. And I'm going to do my best to pronounce their names 
names correctly. We'll start with Livingston. Coral Letzel is the valedictorian, and Garrett Jones is the salutatorian. In Leggett, Thomas Desdado is the valedictorian, and Tavares McQueen is the salutatorian. In Corrigan, Madison Knight is the valedictorian, and Katie Burris is the salutatorian. In Big Sandy, Hannah Robinson is the highest-ranking graduate, and I have to assume that means she did not live in the district long enough to have the opportunity to be valedictorian, but she does have the highest ranking. The valedictorian for Big Sandy is Jackson Mayer, and the salutatorian for Big Sandy is Brian Duff. In Goodrich, Tyrese Harrell is the valedictorian, and Shaquille Sykes is the salutatorian. And again, if I'm getting these names pronounced incorrectly, I do apologize, but props to all these students for their success in their high school career. Moving on to Onalaska, the valedictorian is Courtney Fink, and the salutatorian is Ashley Bell. And in Chester, the valedictorian is Ashlyn Overstreet, and the salutatorian is Madison Berry. So again, congratulations to those students. And that page is in the Thursday edition of the Polk County Enterprise, and those top five students in each school district are brought to you by First National Bank here in Livingston. Lacey K. Booth is in the paper again. It's American Idol's star. She was presented a special resolution on Thursday by State Representative James White and Regional Communications Director Rachel Iglesias um, from U.S. Representative Brian Babin's office. And that happened here in Livingston. Let's see what else. Okay, I saw something really neat. Okay, first of all, let's not forget the powwow is this weekend. The 51st annual powwow at Alabama Cushata Tribe of Texas is going on this Friday and Saturday. So the schedule of what's going on is listed in the Polk County Enterprise, so you can come by the office. And while you're here, you should register for Slitteron tickets. We're giving away two family four-packs, one for Galveston Park and one for New Braunfels. And all you have to do is stop by the Enterprise and give us your name and number and put it in the drawing. We're going to keep getting those all the rest of this week. And this weekend, we will draw the winners and we'll let you know who won those two sets of tickets. One of the things I noticed our editor here, Greg Peak, has been talking about Livingston's growth, and he kind of keeps us up to date on all those statistics. And in Thursday's paper, he has the details about Livingston's growth from 1920 all the way through 2018, Goodrich from 1980 to 2018, the same with on Alaska, Seven Oaks growth from 1970 to 2018, and then Corrigan from 1940 through 2018. All of that very interesting information is in the Thursday Enterprise. So another reason for you to pick up a copy of the paper. Um, there's so much more that we could talk about, but there's something interesting here I just have to share. There is a fungus that has spread to East Texas attacking bats. That's really scary. And I'm just going to read you this first paragraph. It's interesting. The fungus that causes white nose syndrome in bats has continued to spread into parts of Central, South, and East Texas, according to the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department. Are you serious? The fungus was detected for the first time in Texas in early 2017 in six panhandle counties, and this year it's detected in 22 sites in 16 counties, 11 of which are new. So now there's 21 counties in Texas where the fungus has been detected. It's found that 43 cave myotis, four tricolored bats, and 13 Mexican free-tailed bats have this. So scary stuff here. So honestly, I'm not going to read the rest of the article here, but you need to get the paper and you need to read up on this 
and you need to be careful with bats, which I think I've already been careful of bats. But for any of you that like nature and are out a lot, especially at night, and when we were kids, we actually threw aluminum foil balls in the air and they would swoop down. That was kind of a fun game. So if any of you out there are playing those games, you might want to be careful. Oh, by the way, you know Big Sandy is doing really well in baseball. And I spoke to the editor, sports editor for Polk County yesterday, and they're going to be playing games this week. And he's going to give you all the action in Sunday's Enterprise. The Sunday Enterprise will be the first paper in June. And on the newsstands, I want to remind you, the paper has gone up to 75 cents, effective Sunday here in Polk County and all of our papers. And you can still get your paper at a cheaper rate if you prefer to subscribe. And you can call here at the Enterprise and speak with Patsy, and she can get you signed up. If you subscribe for the e-edition, you can actually get your e-edition Wednesday morning early at, in your email and read the paper just like you would having a paper copy, except it's on your email and then on Saturday morning so you can get it really early and then also get your paper copy a few days later in the mail so keep that in mind and the only other thing I'd like to say I have found that on most topics that are controversial there is not a definitive answer and when I have very intelligent people that I respect who disagree with one another and they continue the argument I generally can determine that this is a really tough subject and there may not be one good answer so keep that in mind when whatever it is politics or anything else in your life be respectful to each other, listen to each other, call people out when they're absolutely wrong. And when the majority feels one way, you can pretty well know the other side is wrong, but you can still be respectful and you can still be friends. And for some people, you can still live in the same house or eat at the same Sunday dinner table. So be kind to each other and listen. The best way to become educated is to read a lot and listen to other people and their opinions. If you shut out everyone else's opinion, you will never grow as a person. So that's just my little words of wisdom this morning. And a good way to do that is get your paper. Find out what's going on in your community. The newspaper, we have employees that write that are on different sides of the aisle, and they're writing straight news for you to read and determine. And I encourage you to listen to others and read the paper and be educated. Thank you so much for listening and have a great week. In Trinity County, the city of Groveton approved resolution to help with the second water well and also had the swearing-ins of Mayor Byron Richards and Councilman Robert E. Smith and Tommy Walton. And Health Point Clinic in Trinity received a three-year grant for more than $550,000. The grant will help out with family planning and women's health services. Sheriff Woody Wallace also talked about Trinity County's law on sending unlicensed or uninsured drivers to jail. That's right. If you're uninsured or unlicensed, you don't get a citation, you go to jail, you go directly to jail, and you don't get to pass go or collect $200 either. And we also have a feature from San Jacinto editor Jacob McAdams on the Hug a Tree Kiss a Fish program, which took place at Camp Colon just outside of Trinity. And the commissioners approved land for the Precinct 1 maintenance barn in, within the city limits of Groveton. We also have our annual graduation section, which is the C section and D sections of this week's paper. Graduates from Trinity, Groveton, Apple Springs, and Centerville are featured in this section. 
Howdy everybody, Chris Edwards here coming at you, bringing you the news from Tyler County, taken straight from the pages of the Tyler County Booster. So, I hope everybody had an enjoyable and safe Memorial Day holiday and enjoyed the weekend that came with it, but let's not lose sight of, of what Memorial Day represents, the, the fact that we've lost many, many of our men and women to conflicts and, uh, you know, that phrase, some gave all, well, some did. So we have that holiday to remember them and really every day to remember those who've sacrificed everything for our freedom. So let's not lose sight of that. So getting right on to some news in Tyler County, the big story this week is one that's that's drawn quite a bit of controversy and criticism. And it has to do with a situation in the city of Ivanhoe about a pack of feral dogs that, that are living on the property of, of an Ivanhoe resident. Now, what makes this story has brought this to the public's attention is that the resident, a a gentleman named Michael Gray, has basically demanded the city of Ivanhoe intervene and do something with all of these dogs. Now, Mr. Gray has had issues with this in the past, twice in the past to be exact, where the SPCA has stepped in and taken dogs from his home and has adopted them out. But this time they said the problem has gotten so out of hand that they can't intervene. Now, what's happened is this has been going over the last several months. The the city has been receiving calls about loose dogs from his property and then in earlier part of May, Judge Judith Haney, who serves as the city judge of Ivanhoe and also of Woodville, issued an order that 30 to 50 dogs be either disposed of or relocated. And the city's looking for, for help in this issue uh, because the veterinarians won't do it. And they've spoken to many different organizations to try to get some assistance. And while they've, while they've gotten some leads, there's been nothing so far that's that's really helped. And I spoke with Mayor Kathy Bennett the other day about this, and she's really trying to reach out to see if there's anybody who can help the city of Ivanhoe. And another part of the problem is, is there's no money in their budget for an animal control officer or a pound or anything like that. And that's the situation with most of the cities here in Tyler County. There's just not the money in the budget. And it would be really nice if at the county level we could have some kind of animal control program or something. But so far, you know, Woodville has a dog pound and also a cat shelter, both of which are primarily funded by donations. So that's something that should be addressed and would have to be addressed at some point. As for the Ivanhoe situation, it became extremely controversial due to a posting that, that Mayor Bennett made uh, before Memorial Day. She sent or sent us here at the Booster a public service announcement warning people who would be in Ivanhoe for Memorial Day for the holiday about these dogs and not go near this property. And we published it to our Facebook page. Well, soon after, Channel 12 News out of Beaumont got wind of this and sent somebody out there and basically it just snowballed on Facebook and social media platforms that, you know, the, the city of Ivanhoe, they, the way they were handling this and a lot of criticism lobbed at the mayor. But the, the problem is, you know, Mayor Bennett is responsible for the city and its its welfare of its residents. So this has definitely become a concern of public safety. As a matter of fact, the gentleman, Mr. Gray, has been bitten, I think, three times since he made the initial plea to the city. But hopefully a conclusion can be come to somehow, some way. So if anybody out there is listening, the city of Ivanhoe, who needs help. If you know any resources, be it some kind of feral dog rescue or, you know, an organization that helps out 
with uh, these kind of situations. They they need some help. And I got to admit, in doing this story, it was extremely triggering. I'm a huge animal lover, and used to be you know somewhat active in some activist communities for for animal rights and things. But anything like this is just it's heartbreaking, and it's heartbreaking to hear about and to see it up front and close and personal. It's it's uh, it's extremely hard. And there's a lot of people who who do have some really tender hearts to take in strays, which is another big part of the problem out there is Ivanhoe has a vast network of 46 miles or so of roads where a lot of people, a lot of wooded area where people who call them a lot of bad names, but this is a family-friendly radio podcast, but a lot of these people who I consider less than human drop off animals that they don't want, and people, you know, take them in or feed them, and and, uh, this gentleman apparently started taking in some of these strays and feeding them, and he's in dire straits himself, and he can't, you know, it's it's just, it's gotten out of control really, really rapidly, and and he's got some issues, some health issues as well, So, so the city of Ivanhoe, they need some help with the situation, and hopefully it will be resolved before too long and before anything tragic or drastic might happen. So stay tuned, and any developments with this will be keeping you abreast of. Um, another thing going on in Tyler County to make the people aware of, this is a reappraisal year. Every three years, the state of Texas has mandated that appraisal districts have to reappraise properties with the area they serve, their respective counties. And so appraisal districts within Tyler County have been mailed out um, recently, and taxpayers have until June the 17th to contact them and to review the findings of the reappraisals. Now, typically it's uh, May the 31st is the cutoff for protest letters, but they have a 30-day minimum to file these, and so it it came in a different schedule this year. So um, all that information is in the Tyler County Booster this week, uh, and tax appraiser David Luther kind of laid out all the stipulations if taxpayers could file a protest letter or review the information with him or one of the other uh, assistant appraisers, So uh, and all everything that counts as a uh, an addition or improvement to property as well. So be sure and pick up the booster if you can and check that out. And uh, if you're a Tyler County taxpayer, so yeah. I'm going to go over a couple of other things really briefly. We've got in the booster this week a profile about a young man who is going to go down in Woodville. Athletic history is one of the greatest athletes in the Eagles program. A gentleman by the name of Carrington Mirandez, who also is uh, set to graduate. Now, um, Carrington has an interesting story. He's, he's faced a lot of hardships through his life, and I was fortunate enough to watch him win three medals at the UL State track meet a few weekends ago. And he's done great things in other sports, football, basketball, you name it. And what makes his story unique, aside from all of the hardships that he's faced, which are you know detailed in this piece that was written, he was born with a birth defect where he, his thigh muscles or thigh bones didn't form, and so he's lived his whole life in a his wheelchair bound. But he hasn't let it slow him down one bit. So uh, congratulations to Carrington and all your accomplishments and for graduating. And man, I hope you continue to do good things, great things, I should say. It was it was awesome to see you win that goal and the 400-meter dash and, and just the, the shout you gave out when you crossed the finish line. That was awesome. So uh, I'm sure that I'm sure you're going to do you know really, really cool things uh, now that you're out of high school. And, and we at the Booster will keep the people abreast of, of whatever you're doing, man. Keep it up. Another sports news, Ross McMurray, who was the uh, head football coach, athletic director, and served in many other capacities within the Colmenil ISD athletics program. He's leaving Colmenil ISD. 
ISD, and he's not sure what he's going to do. He just said whatever God calls him to do. But he's left the program in better shape than it was when he got there. So, Coach Ross, we wish you well and whatever your endeavors may bring on the around the corner. And also, this is something that didn't make the paper this week because it was just announced actually after we went to press. But Coach Ray Woodard, who was responsible for reigniting the uh, Lamar University Cardinal football program when it got back off the ground several years ago. He is coming to coach football at Chester. So we will have in next week's edition of the Booster, uh, Coach Woodard, what all he plans to do with the Yellow Jacket football program and just kind of a little bit about him. You know, he's got roots within the region, actually in Polk County. He grew up in Corrigan and still has family there. So we're going to kind of preview him and, and ask him, you know, just, and it's, it's a different mentality. Well, I mean, it's it's definitely a transition going from a university program to a to a high school program, but let alone, but also going from university football to a six-man team. So it's actually it's a different mindset in coaching six-man ball versus traditional 11-man balls. So we'll uh, kind of shed a little light on Coach Woodard and welcome him to Tyler County and uh, welcome him to the uh, Chester Yellow Jacket football team and hope they do some great things. So, uh, so yeah. So anyhow, I guess that's about it for some of the things at Brest and Tyler County. Oh, one more thing. Last night, there was a fundraiser held for Senator John Cornyn at uh, Lonnie and Jill Grissom's house, which is uh, located a little west of Woodville, and it was a great turnout. There were dignitaries, local dignitaries, and state-level officials. Representative James White spoke there, as did uh, Congressman Brian Babin. And it was just, it was really neat because I can't recall the last time that a sitting U.S. Senator was in our neck of the woods. And he also toured other parts of the region, too. He was in Corrigan and met with some people there at the OSB plant and discussed the importance of timber to the economy here. And I believe he also met with some people uh, from the Alabama Cushata tribe last night, if I'm not mistaken. So maybe he's been kind of made aware of the situation with Noskilla Gaming and is working on uh, voicing some uh, opinion on it or, or something. Something, so uh, keep abreast for that. But anyway, that was just really neat and just thought I'd, I'd let you all know. But anyhow, I hope everybody's having a great week so far and continues to do so and, and has a safe and fun weekend. So uh, many thanks for listening to the East Texas News Roundup. Again, my name is Chris Edwards and thanks y'all. See you later. Well, hello everyone. This is Jacob McAdams, the editor of the San Jacinto News Times. And I'm here to bring you all of our news from May 19th to May 25th. Last week was pretty busy, mostly because we had graduation Friday on the 24th. That was for Shepherd High School. They had about a little over 140 students graduate. And so that was a pretty busy night for us, of course. (laughs) But um, beyond that, we had a few interesting events. A couple of them didn't get to make it into the paper, unfortunately. You'll get to hear about them in our upcoming edition. But I will, at the very least, tell you a little bit about them. On Tuesday, May 21st, we did have three of our Cold Spring Oakhurst High School senior athletes sign on for three different colleges. First, we have Brendan Beard, who is signing on with uh, Texas Lutheran University. Uh, He's going to be playing baseball there for the Bulldogs. And we also have Keon Williams. He's going going to be playing for the Houston Baptist University Huskies. And he's going to be playing football for them, not baseball. And our third athlete is also another uh, football player, is uh, Ethan Benestante. Ethan is signing on to play for the Southwest College Mound Builders. And from what they've told me, Brendan Beard wants to possibly become a teacher and coach baseball 
him baseball is everything. That's just what he wants to be around. He's been around it since he was a kid, and to him, it's just the love of his life. Uh, Keon Williams also wants to coach. He wants to coach football, and he actually hopes that he can play past college if possible. But for the time being, you know, he says if he can't play pro, he at the very least wants to coach it or be an agent for another player. And Ethan Benestante says he wants to get into law enforcement. Uh, he wants to follow in his dad's footsteps and you know, just go down that route. So so these three athletes are going to be, they, they've got their future set, and we hope to see good things from them. Thursday night, our uh, local youth leagues had their closing ceremonies. And closing ceremonies are always bittersweet because we get to see the kids out for the Dixie Leagues, which uh, in this case it's the Shepherd Youth League and the Cold Spring Dixie Youth League. We get to see these kids go out and be recognized for playing Little League. Uh, and it's always a big deal. For these parks for these two groups but this also is where they show that this is pretty much ending for these kids for for some of them but for others it's the beginning of the all-star season so we're going to see some great things from them last year all-star season was actually pretty pretty interesting we actually had three teams between these two leagues make it to the world series which was held in louisiana for the Shepherd Youth League, that was the Sweeties Division, as well as the, I believe it was the Ponytails. But we also had the the Debs, which are the oldest group that is over in Cold Spring Youth League. They are also the, the other team that made it to the World Series last year. And uh, so they're hoping to pull that off again this coming year and exceed those expectations. We also had uh, probably the... Uh, other major event we had last week was our uh, annual car, truck, and bike show that's done by the Cold Spring Area Business and Merchants Association, abbreviated they're known as CABMA, of course. It was a pretty big car show. They had cars lined up all along the two of the sides of the courthouse, which are the one of them is the side that's facing the Precinct 1 Annex building. The other one is the side that's facing the little shops that are behind the courthouse. And we also had cars lined up on the street right across from the Cold Spring Community Center. And we also had cars lined up on the street outside of the Senior Center. So we had quite a bit going on there with that. They had about 80 registered cars at the car show, according to Danielle Matthew Nuro. And the car show, that doesn't include uh, those that brought them just to show off. They didn't want to be judged. So, I mean, you had a, a few cars like that, and there were some pretty interesting vehicles there. We even had a, a couple that were showing off a 1930 Model A, and they were the Butlers. It was Ronnie and uh, Sylvia Butler. They were actually dressed for the occasion. They were wearing clothing that was uh, reminiscent of the, the years when that car was in production, which is from 1928 to 1931. So they were dressed up like they were in the 1930s, basically, early 1930s, late 1920s. Uh, so that was kind of cool to see that they, they went all out for that. We saw some other interesting vehicles. You'll see tons of things at these car shows. And uh, if you've been paying attention to Cabinet lately, they've actually been doing another car-related event. And it is called the Cars, Coffee, and Donuts event. Uh, they've been doing them monthly. They've been pretty successful. In fact, the second one they did, which was in January of this year, actually brought in, I think it was about 130 vehicles altogether. So that became a big thing. They were doing it monthly. They are putting them on hold for the summer because of the hot weather. Uh, they know everyone's probably going to be not really wanting to be, be out in the heat in, in Texas. Who can blame them? 
So they'll be coming back up here in the fall. But Danielle had mentioned that she does believe that the Cars Coffee and Donut event is actually one of the reasons why this year's annual car show is more successful than it has been in the past. Because they said that when Cars Coffee and Donut started, they actually started to get more people aware of Cold Spring. There are a lot of these groups that were invited to come out, you know, a lot of the car clubs and whatnot, that admitted they had no idea that Cold Spring even existed, <laughs> you know. So it was a good way to actually put Cold Spring on the map. And so we're getting to see some more of that, and we're getting to see more of these groups coming out and, you know, getting to see this little town that means so much to Sanderson County. But anyway, that is all the news we have for the time being, and we will follow up with some other interesting tidbits we have coming up this week and be more than happy to tell everyone all about that. But until then, stay tuned, and we'll see you guys next time. Hello, East Texas. It is Megan Whitworth here with your latest updates on Houston County. So last week, I gotta say, I was at the beach, and I was enjoying the sun, water, and sand chat a little board surfing, but I am back with a splash this week and a little sunburned. I won't lie, my nose started peeling today. But anyways, so let's dive in to the latest edition of The Courier. So one of our headlines this week on 1A, she gotta give a shout out to that, is to this person, is that Chief Deputy G.P. Scherer is resigning from his position to pursue another career interest with a private entity in the county. Mr. Chief Deputy joined the Houston County Sheriff's Office Department in 2011 and has served in law enforcement for about 34 years, and his last day is set for June 14th. He announced this news in the Houston County Commissioner's Court meeting just this past Tuesday. And as a reporter, I just want to give a shout out to Mr. Scherer. As a reporter, it can be a treacherous out there in the crime world, but this chief deputy had made the line of communication wide open with the sheriff's office. He was always just a text away, and I really appreciated that as there was breaking news coming in and out of the sheriff's office and in and out of Houston County. So as he moves on to his career, I just want to his new career. I just want to say thank you for me and those at the courier. So thank you and congratulations for your next adventure, Mr. Sheriff. So in the biggest headline of the week is, well, news from, let me run a bit. So in the biggest headline of the week is news from the latest Houston County Hospital District meeting from last week on May 21st. The question is, so where do we begin? I'll just dive in. That's my favorite phrase, let's dive in. So when outgoing board president Robert Greer, he stated in a personal statement to the other directors and meeting attendees as he stepped down during the meeting, he shared that an unnamed recently elected board member, but had not yet taken the oath of office, allegedly committed a criminal trespass at Crockett Medical Center. So Mr. Greer stated that this person carried out a serious violation of the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services HIPAA violations. During his statement, Mr. Greer never named a board member, but then later in the meeting, new recently elected board member Aaron Ford identified himself. He recalled, recalled the moment Greer talked about. In quote, Mr. Ford says, I heard just the merest comment that documents were being shredded in the hospital and it caused me to be concerned. So I went down the hall, looked up in the room. Sure enough, 
huge pile of shredded documents in the room itself. Obviously, it had been going on for quite a while. He added, in the county, we were governed under local government code 201. And just a side note, Mr. Ford, for those who don't know, served as the Houston County judge. <laughs> Sorry, the, the word escapes my mind for a second. But anyway, so going on, in quote, it says, and I went through it. And all districts, special purpose districts, including the hospital, are under LGC 201 for document control. So I'm a structured person and my focus is to be sure that we've got the protocols in place, proper record management, proper record retention, and proper record disposal. And if there's and if that's been the case, it's great. But that's the issue that Bob's alluding to, end quote. In a statement to the courier on May 24th, Ford stated, I can't at this time say anything involving the incident the other night except that I am thankful to be a part of the Houston County Hospital Board. I am committed to supporting the continued operation of the hospital and CMC. Medical care for our county is critical and I will do my best in my role as a board member to ensure that future. The latest, so in quote of his statement, so the latest that we know is that hospital administrator Tommy Johnson said he was required to report the matter to the proper agencies and he has done so. He added that the Texas Rangers are investi investigating the incident. There's a lot more conversations and discussions of the event that is included in the latest issue of The Courier. You can check it out. All those details and quotes from those who attended. It starts on page one. It's actually our top headline in this week's issue. And as more reports come out of that, we will definitely keep breeders up to date on that because HIPAA is, is something that is taken very serious in this world. So also during that meeting, Ford, along with Harvey Bruner, Barbara Crossan, Pat Dickey, and Carol Dawson were all sworn in either as new board members or continue their service. Crossan was also selected to do be president of the board. So there's a lot more and a photo to go along with that in this week's Courier, so you don't want to miss out. And in news and education news, in the Crockett ISD tax rollback election, the early voting days and times were set. And they are set for Monday through Friday each week during the two-week period of June 3rd through 14th, 8 a.m. until 4 p.m. each day. Election day for the tax rollback election will be Thursday, June 20th. That day, the poll will be open at 7 a.m. until 7 p.m. The poll will be located in the Crockett ISD administration office, which is located at 1400 West Austin Street for both early and election day voting. So make sure to get out there. On the May 23rd edition of The Courier, we talked or we wrote a lot about the election and um, the school did two ads talking about what the rollback election is all about. So you don't want to miss reading on those. So remember, it's May 23rd. You can pick up that newspaper for details on the rollback. And this week we shared what the early voting days are. And there's just more information in this week's issue. So also folks, um, in this week's Courier, we have our annual fair and livestock show, which is really awesome. I love, um, I just, I love going to the fair and seeing the kids show off the animals and all of their hard work. And I love highlighting these kids. So definitely check that out. Um, there were a few late nights putting that all together. Let me just say, I'm still exhausted right now. So check it out, share it with your friends, and let's be proud of those students who are working so hard. All right, and lastly, as I kind of wrap this up, I wanted to share that the Houston County Courier will be raising their their prices for the uh, for single copy prices from fifty cents to seventy five cents starting 
June 1st. And just in announcing the price change, General and Manager Kelly Barnes reminded readers that subscribing to their local paper by the year offers the greatest bargain at 28 cents per, per copy. And also readers, listeners can subscribe to the e-edition, which gives readers the earliest possible look at the newspaper since the Thursday edition typically rise by email at 6 a.m. on Wednesday. And I honestly love looking at e-edition. It's just simple, easy. You can pull it up on your phone, on your iPad, and just check it out or just like your computer. It's really effective and easy. So subscribers can get both the print and, and digital versions for $40 a year or choose to receive print or digital only for 30 a year. So definitely remember, so next week it will be the June 4th edition. That copy of the newspaper will be 75 cents instead of the usual 50 cents just to help us um, cover cost. Rising operation costs have forced our entire company to increase the price for single copy newspapers. Um, so that's company wide. When you go pick up the Tyler County Booster 75 cents, which has, has been for a while and all of our newspapers, definitely check it out. You can, we have awesome newspapers in our whole family at Polk County Publishing and we have really award-winning journals who are putting excellent work out. Now I'll definitely pay that extra quarter to read the newspaper. So definitely just keep that in mind next week as you see the 75 cents on the newspaper that we have raised our prices by a quarter. Anyways, guys, as always, there is a lot going on and as summer is happening, there the Piney Woods Fine Arts Association recently announced their free summer concerts that are coming to Crockett that begin on Friday, June 7th and end on Friday, June 28th. So definitely check that out. That is in the newspaper on page, I believe it is 5A. So guys, just check out that newspaper. Lots of photos, fair photos and sport photos and just events. Check out our calendar. It's on page 8A this week just because we had a lot of information and just moving around everything. So check it out. And as always, make sure to keep an eye on our Facebook page at HC Courier and our website at HC Courier. Well, it's just hccourier.com. So till next time, guys, I hope you have a fabulous weekend and let the summer begin. Mm -hmm.